wonderful to be with you here this morning. What a privilege to be in Fireworks Church. When I, when I saw that, that name, I, I, I actually, my wife and I were talking about it before I came over, and uh, I got a little bit of it right because I, say, I, I know over here you have so many uh, fireworks places that only open up a little bit of time during the year. So I thought they must meet in a fireworks barn or something like that. And when I, when I heard the story this morning, I wasn't far out actually, but it is wonderful to be with you here this morning. What a privilege to be in the presence of the Lord. It is a tremendous privilege, all of us, when we're in the presence of the Lord. And I love the idea of the mic standing there. Dangerous to put it beside my, my, my friend Rick, but it, it's wonderful to have it there. And it is a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing to have an open mic, but the, the, the alternative is to have a closed mic. And then you'll be safe and bored. But when we've had some wonderful words this morning, I have just one or two things I want to share with you today that uh, that God's been speaking to me about, and uh, and I want to share something with you. I don't know where I know where I'm going, um, but there's a couple of things I just want to share with you first that are, are are important. And the first one is is in a sense personal. Uh, a few years ago, uh, I travel, by the way, I, I travel constantly. Last year, about two years ago, when, when COVID locked us down, I was, my ministry works this way. I, I preach in the UK. I was a pastor, and I, I'm still a pastor, only my congregation now is vastly spread, and they can't give me any problems because I'm, I'm a long way away. But I, I, I was pastoring, and, and then I, I started to travel. God spoke to me very clearly one day in my office I was traveling and I was wrecking myself because you can't do both. It's very hard to do both. And, and God spoke to me through Joshua 1 verse 14. He said, go across this Jordan, help your brothers possess their land. And when you've done that, go home. That's my interpretation of Joshua 1 verse 14 and 15, the two, two and a half tribes. And so that's what we did. I resigned as a pastor, stepped out by faith, and God opened, opened doors and uh, so I'm, I'm very pleased to, to be able to do that. I appreciate doing that. And as a, as a preacher, uh, I, I just feel uh, God's leading, I guess. But traveling is a lonely business uh, because I travel all the time. I was traveling and I was preaching in the UK as well. Well, since COVID locked me down, I thought to put with this preaching in the UK lark, I'm just going to go for it. And so I do preach a little bit at home, but very little. So I'm on the road most of the time. I started off this year over here in, in, in America, and then I, I went to Ethiopia. I've been going there for 20 years, had the most awesome time in Ethiopia, came back. I think I come over here again, went to Guatemala, and then I went to Pakistan, then I went to Transnistria, and now, now I'm here. And later on in the year, I'll be in, in um, the, we're preparing for Ghana and for India. I've got a big Bringing, comp, bring, bringing leaders in all over north of India. I've got 200 leaders coming together in remote. God sends me to remote areas, uh, not to the cities, but to places where, where people don't get the, those sort of things. So uh, it, it's exciting what God does, but it's uh, sometimes lonely because I, I don't know where I am. Sometimes I wake up and I'm in a strange bed and I pat the bed beside me just to check if my wife is there. She doesn't travel with me very much. Thank God there's never anybody else there. Don't get worried about me, okay? But I, I just to make sure where I am. And I, sometimes it takes me a few minutes to realize, oh, that's where I am, right? And, uh, and, and then, then I come too. But when you're traveling, uh, you know, all the time, Sometimes it can be, you know, you can get tired with jet lag. I'm currently jet lagged this morning because my, my head is six hours ahead. 
And so I'll go home next week when the jet lag is just finished and then I have to undo it back at home. And the reason I'm telling you that is that sometimes I don't want to do what I do. And, and, and I want to be at home with my wife. And, and we do try and, and get times together. Obviously, we, we do that. And I've, I've knocked August is out completely. Uh, but the reason I say that is I went over to Ireland uh, probably a couple of years ago. I travel a lot to my homeland. And in my favorite church over there that I, I work a lot with in a, in a city called Lurgan. And I, I had been to churches where... For example, in Louisiana, one of the churches I go to on a Sunday night, the pastor's family all meet together, and they're living locally, they're living close, the grandchildren are there, and, and it was a one, we laughed, we had pizza, folk from New Orleans, I've no idea what they said, I still don't know what they were talking about, in a foreign language that only people from Louisiana would understand, uh, but I, I, I came away from it blessed that I'd had that time, but lonely, because I'm not allowed to have those times. And so a bit of it came to me as, as a, it was a, a, a sort of a bittersweet moment. And so I was over in, in, our, in Ireland and, and uh, God was speaking to me. And, and one of my friends came up and gave me a word. He says, Kingsley, don't, don't you, you worry. He says, listen, because sometimes I, I, when I go home, people have moved on. I don't really feel at home at home. Now, you might not understand that, but I, I sometimes I, I don't. I'm not involved. I went to the gym once, and a guy who was from my church came in, and I had nothing to say to him. He had nothing to say to me. Hello. He then started talking to a colleague he worked with because they had more in common than I had in common with him, and I felt lonely. And God spoke to me, and, and this guy spoke to me and said, listen, he said, I am building apostolic centers around the world. And so I want you to listen to this this morning. I've only seen about three of them so far. But I believe when I walked in this morning, God showed me another one. He said, I'm building, I, am, I am building apostolic centers around the world which will be different. They will do things in a different way. They might not all, all got crazy names like fireworks, but they'll do things in a, in a, a different way. And God will, will, will attract people together, key people that he will attract together for the nations. Now listen, that's the place that people will be sent from. And God spoke to me very clearly and said, you'll feel at home there. So I believe God is doing something among you where he is, is bringing some odd people. Don't, don't knock being odd. There's a lot of advantages to being odd. He's, some of you are odd people. And that's why you didn't fit in where you were before. Because you were just too odd for them. And God's brought you to a place where the, the, uh, not just the eccentricity of it, but the, the, uh, the concentration. If you were to, to take a drink of one of those, those uh, cordials that you've got to mix water with, you take a drink of that, it's going to drive your taste buds crazy. But God's building a, a place that is concentrated folk who want to reach the nations. And listen, the nations can come to Christ in a day. It doesn't take a long time. So that, that's the first thing I want to share with you this morning. The second thing God's been speaking to me about is when, you, do you remember when, when, some of you may relate to this, do you remember when uh, Elijah, he was on the mountain with the fire of God and he called the fire down, that was great, but then Jezebel wanted to kill him after that and so he fled and he ran away from her. But do you remember the bit where, where uh, he went up, well it's in between there, the bit where he went up on the mountain to pray? It says he put his, his head between his legs 
He said to Ahab, Ahab, go eat and drink. But he went up on top of the mountain, said to his servant, go and look towards the sea. That would have been towards the west, actually, because towards the Mediterranean, where it is on, on Mount Carmel. Go and look towards the sea. Tell me what you see. And he saw nothing. He came back seven times he had to go. And on the seventh time, he says, I see a hand as small as, as a cloud rising up. And then, then he says, listen, go and tell Ahab that there, there is a sound. There's a, there's a sound of, of rain coming. Some of you have heard a sound of rain. And the sound of rain is what inspires you. You haven't seen it yet, but the sound is enough at this moment in time. You can hear the sound of the rain. And when you come respond to the sound of the rain, then what you will see will come after that. But here's the point I believe God wants to leave, just to pause with one or two of you this morning, is that what he said to, to Ahab, he sent word to Ahab and said, hitch up, get ready, prepare your chariot and, and get out of here because otherwise the rain will stop you. There's a wonderful word this morning about, that. I haven't clue what that was, exigentant or something. Okay, that's a very clever word that. Uh, I like it. I wrote it down so I can look it up later on. But he said, listen, go, go, and go quickly or the rain will stop you. And then this, the, the, the Bible says then that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Elijah. And it says that he ran ahead of the chariot all the way to Jezreel. Now Jezreel, is, do you know what Jezreel means? It means the land, it means God will sow. That's what Jezreel, it's probably the one valley in the world where more people have died than nearly anywhere else. And it's where Armageddon will be. So Jezreel is, is, a, a, is a really important place. But he ran ahead of the chariot. Now here's the thought that came into my mind that I wanted to pause with one or two of you. He didn't run beside the chariot. A lot of churches want to run beside the chariot, want to influence the Ahabs, want to be impressive to the Ahabs, want the Ahabs to tell them how wonderful they are, want to gear everything in their church so the Ahabs will feel comfortable and will feel happy and will, will support and all the rest. God's called you to run ahead of the chariot because you're carrying a word. And when you carry the word, you can't afford to let the chariot slow you down. You're not called to run alongside the chariot. You're called to run ahead of the chariot. And by running ahead of the chariot, God will look after you. You won't get the applause. You won't get the, the, the headlines necessarily in the papers. But as you run ahead of the chariot, God will cause amazing things to happen because the waters will come. Then I was reading this week, I do a word every day for on, on Facebook, and I, just, I started at the beginning of COVID. We did, my wife and I, before COVID started, 2019, 2019, 2020, well, we, we thought COVID hadn't started, but as it happens, it probably already had. But on, on New Year's Eve, on, on uh, 2020, coming into that year, God, God, I was very troubled coming into the new year. New year is an important time for me, and I was troubled. And as, as we were passing over, I felt something, something was coming to my family. I thought it was a personal thing. And so I felt God say, break bread. Get your family together and break bread together. And so we did that January the 1st. I was around either the 31st of, I don't remember. It was, I think it was January the 1st, 2020. And, and it didn't lift. It didn't lift. I, and, and things did happen to my family. But coming into February, I felt God said, do it again. And so I did it again in February. Then came over to America. And in March, then the whole thing with COVID hit out. And so we did it staying up in Quitman in northeast, in East Texas. And we started to do it every day. 
And so I, I put it on Facebook every day. I get people into breaking bread together, and then that developed into a word every day. And just this past week, I've been looking in the book of, of Zechariah, and, and God showed me something in, in Zechariah that I believe is, is very important, if I can just uh, turn to it. And there's a picture in, in chapter 4, and it, it goes through with, where the angel shows him uh, the lampstand and the olive trees. And I saw something I'd never seen before. And with the lampstand and the olive tree, Zechariah was, was a, prophet, a prophet who spoke to his time. And he was also a prophet who, who will find this with the two witnesses in, in Revelation. So it's a future prophetic event. But I was asking God, what is it for us today? And he, he sees this lampstand and there are two olive trees standing beside the lampstand. And the oil was coming from them into the lampstand. And you'll see in, in the end, and in, in the end, where is it at the beginning? The lampstands were, were was standing, the people were standing beside these. And at the end, he answered verse 11 of Zechariah 4, What are these two olive trees at the right of the lampstand that it's left? And I further answered and said to him, What are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which the golden oil drains? And he answered and said, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. He said, These are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. And I felt God showed me something there. And maybe for one or two this morning, that, you know, we say that the anointing comes from God. It does come from God. Everything comes from Him. Everything is from the Holy Spirit, from Jesus. It's from the Trinity. That's, he is the source. But look at what it says there. These are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord. So the, the, the oil that comes from these are two anointed ones, it provides oil for the lamp. But it's coming from them. And so what I felt God was saying, as some of you can take this this morning, God has anointed you, and the oil is coming from you. What, what God has placed in you is enough to let people come. God will, you won't need to advertise what God does in this place. You won't need to pay a fortune to, like the elections over in America, the millions that are spent in, in, in paying for for people, it's crazy what goes on, the waste of money that happens in this nation. You won't need to waste money on, on announcing because the oil will flow from you. And when people feel the effect of the anointing of God, they will come. Amen? Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. And I want to read something. I'm over speaking at, at a wonderful, my best friend here, Rick. So a little bit of a joke there because I introduced Doug and Angie. Who Doug and Angie are two wonderful friends of mine who, who work and he goes out to the Ukraine, wonderful ministers of, of God. And, and I introduced them as two of my best friends. And Rick said, well, what about me? So here's my best friend sitting on the front. All right, just, just wanted to say, is this recorded this morning? Yeah, Rick, my best friend in the world sitting here on the front row. <laughs> so uh, we're, I'm at a camp uh, called Elevate. Who's from Elevate this morning? So some of my friends from, these are from the Elam Church in Houston. Give them a good welcome this morning. And I'm, I'm with Rick and Max this morning from, from San Antonio. Uh, but we're, we've, they sent me the theme of this week's 
this week, this year's camp. It's IYKYK. And if I asked any of you who are over the age of 40 what nerd that meant, you'd probably say to me, I've got no idea. So they sent it to me, I, hashtag IYKYK. I'm thinking, what the heck is that? IYKYK. So I Googled it. I searched on Google. It says, if you know, you know. Well, I thought, well, I didn't know. And I didn't actually, it couldn't have cared less that I didn't know. So it didn't bother me. When I don't know that I don't know, who cares? It's when you do know that you don't know that you've got problems. Because if I think you're holding something from me and I know you're holding it from me, I want to know what you know. So then I will know and I'll be happy. Are you with me? If you know, you know. So that's, that, that's the theme for, for this, this year. Last year it was standing and I shared from this verse, I started off the, the week from 2 Kings chapter 4 and, and about Elijah raising the Shunammite son. And I want to look at a few verses uh, today. I, I was given a calendar, not a clock, by the way, to finish with. So I know I have to finish by tomorrow, okay? I'll try to be fairly succinct in this. I'm not a long-winded preacher, uh, I, I hope. But uh, I hope it's good. So, so are you okay with me this morning so far? I want to th- thank... Uh, I, I was going to call them your pastors there, but I, I can't really do that now, can I? Because of the leadership team. It's a little bit different. Can I call you pastors? Am I allowed to do that? Is that sinning? Is that all right? Is that, is that like flowing into the past or something? I, I don't know. Anyway, I really appreciate being given the opportunity this morning to come here. It's a risk allowing somebody in your, in your pulpit, and I, I do appreciate that. But let me read a few verses to you. It happened one day. This is 2 Kings 4, verse 8, that Elisha went to Shunem when there was a not- where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. She said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall, and let us put a bed for him there, and a table and a chair and a lampstand, so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him. And he he said to him, say now to her, look, you've been very concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. So he said, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. So he said, call her. When he called her, she stood in the doorway. And that was what I started off last week. Was about year was about standing. And she stood in the doorway. And why this is important this morning is she's standing in the doorway. The next time we read about her, after the miracle of her son being raised from the dead, she comes into the room. So there are millions in America who stand at the doorway who have been hurt, and they're confused. Many of them folk who once went to church, but they'll not come today because they see hypocrisy. They think they see hypocrisy. They'll stand at the doorway because something happened in their life that drew them away. And so they'll stand at the doorway. They know that Jesus is the answer. They know that Jesus is the Lord, but they'll stand in the doorway with one hand on the pillar, and they won't enter. Not until they see something tangible that can change their life. She stood in the doorway. And then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. She said, no, my Lord, you've got no idea what you're saying. Don't mess with my emotions like that. I've been through this for years since the day I got married. Don't mess with me. That's my interpretation of what she's saying here. 
No, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. And the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to his servant, carry him to his mother. When he'd taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat her on his knees until on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him and went out. Now let me pause there. Is this not the cruelest of stories? Then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, why are you going to him today? It's neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. She said, it is well. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. I think she probably said it a bit louder than that. I bet the guy just went like the blaze has gone that day. Do you think? So she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that she, he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run now <coughs> to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? <coughs> is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? She answered it as well. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. That's my text this morning. The Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. If you know, you know. If you don't know, you don't know. But if you know that somebody else knows, then that's a problem. If, if, he hadn't, if nothing was happening here, he wouldn't mind what anybody knows. I don't mind what you know. About, although I'm, a bit, I'm, I'm going to find out about that, that water. I, that is bugging me a little bit. I have to find out about that water. But if you know something fantastic, God bless you. Where you go and know it. I don't need to know it. Unless it involves me. But when this woman who comes to him, and, and, and there's something wrong, but he doesn't know what it is. Remember, she has a son. And her son is what she's prayed for all her life. But to Elisha, it's not a son. To Elisha, it's his ministry. He's the one who spoke the word. Had he never spoke, spoken the word, there wouldn't be a son. The son is only there because he prophesied and said to Now maybe he'd have wished, I wish I'd never opened my big mouth. I wish I'd never done that. I wish I had just kept stum, kept quiet and not. Those people don't deserve me. But he did. And so it's, it says there that the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So he said, did I, she said, did I ask you for a son? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready. Take my staff in your hand. Be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him. But lay my staff on the face of the child. See, he, sees this, he says the same as the woman said. Can you think of those people? I'm an Irish man. We talk to everybody. Can you see? There's somebody walking along that road. And when she goes the first time, he's about to say, ah. And they, she flies past him. Same guy standing in the same place in the road when, when they go past the other way. I, I'm about to talk to them and they fly. I think these are very rude, these people who live in this area. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. 
So he arose and followed her. This is important. She says, you have come to see. You are the one. And God has brought some of you into this place, and you are the one. You are the one that God has put his hand on you. If you meet somebody who's sick during this week and they're needing prayer, don't you dare say, come on Sunday and I'll get one of the pastoral team to pray for you. Don't you dare say that. You're not going to get away with that. You'll get a slap around the lug from the Lord. If that happens to you this week, the first thing you do is you put your hands in her and declare the name of Jesus over that person. Just then. Now Gehazi went ahead of them and laid his staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore he went back to meet him and told him, saying, the child has not awakened. Well, of course he hasn't. This Elisha is the one. You are the one. When Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore shut the door behind the two of them, and he prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes and he called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite woman. So he called her and when she came into the room this time, He said, pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet, bowed to the ground. She picked up her son and went out. I want you to imagine today that God has brought you to this place and his hand is on you and you are the one for your community. You are the one in your workplace, in your family. You are the one in your circle of friends that God has put his hand on. If you know, you know. If you don't know, it could be a problem. Because Elisha is, he's a prophet. He's got one job. Now, it's a, it's a vast job in many ways, but that's his job. He sees what nobody else sees. That's the job of a prophet, is, is to unveil the things that maybe are in people's lives or what's going to happen in the future. But that is his specific job. He went on a circuit. He went around the same places again, and again a traveling minister. And his ministry was prophecy to speak into people's lives. Now, you can't live on that. You've got to find the word for yourself. But that was his specific ministry. And so here he is at a crisis point in his life when he says those incredible words that he'd never said before. He says, there's something wrong, but I don't know what it is. The Lord has hidden it from me. Now, to anybody else, that would have been, oh, that's no problem. But to him, it was a problem. Because his job was to unveil the hidden things. But the Lord has hidden it. The words he uses are this. The Lord has hidden it from me. I should know. If you know, you know. But I don't know. And I should know because it's my ministry to know. But somehow God has brought me into this season and period in my life when I don't seem to know who I am anymore. And it's causing me great concern because I just don't know what I think I should know. And it brings confusion into my life. And I'm not happy with it because I want to know what I know. I want to know what he knows. And what I want to say to you this morning is it's okay not to know what he knows at this moment in time. Because God will reveal it to you at the right time. Elisha wasn't sinning at this moment. 
Elisha wasn't in a place where he was in rebellion against the Lord. This is not a rebellious man. This is a man who's come into a time of confusion. And we don't handle confusion very well. We live in a folk where we have our phone and our internet. And if somebody, I remember speaking in a church years ago down in Norwich in the UK. And I spoke on the first uh, transplant, the first tongue transplant. And I was just talking about how, how um, it, was, it was a guy who'd written this, this book and said in the future, an old time revivalist, who said in the future they'll probably be able to, tran- uh, to, to uh, transplant tongues, but couldn't in his day. And so afterwards, a guy came up to me in, in the, in, on the way out. I, sh- I shook hands on the way out. This man came up to me and he told me exactly the doctor in Austria and the date when, when that first uh, thing was, was done. And I thought, crumbs, you never listened to a word I said after I said, all you did was spent your whole sermon on Google trying to find out an answer that I didn't know. And so you can know everything today going on your phone, except the plans of God. Because he doesn't tend to use the phone. I mean, he can, don't get me wrong. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But God speaks to us spirit to spirit. And here is Elisha who is at a crisis moment in his life. And God has brought some of you to this place. And some of your testimony is, oh, I'm really, I'm really happy in this place. Some of you are in ministry and you've come to this place and, and God has called you here. You haven't a clue why, but you like the singing. But you've come here, you like the, the fellowship, you like the, the leadership, you like the people here. But maybe your ministry has, has hit a pause button. And in the middle of that pause button, I-Y-K-Y-K, I-Y-D-K, I-D-K. If you don't know, you don't know. And that can cause problems for us. So I want to encourage you. I believe God wants to speak to you this morning. Hang in there. Hold in there. Keep in there. Ground yourself in here. Get yourself grounded in this place. Because what God is going to do in this place as an apostolic center is he will take people from here and he will send you to the furthest parts of the world. And he will, and it may not, you may not have an awful lot of notice when he does that. You might not get a lot. I, I get frustrated sometimes. I've won a really good friend of mine at home, and he puts his itinerary on Facebook. And his, 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 uh, he's about the same age as me, young. And he puts it on Facebook, and, and it's all his details over the next at least six months, if not a year. Almost, not quite where he's going to have coffee with somebody. And I said to my wife, I said, listen, I, I want to do that. I want to have it all organized. I want my budgeting done. I want to know where I'm going, what I'm doing, what I'm spending. And I might not know what I'm doing next week. Well, I do most of the time. Obviously, you, you plan events in, in the past. But God has kept me from that. He has kept me from being so organized. Because then someone comes to me and, and it's clearly from the Lord and said, I don't suppose you're free then. And I look in my diary, I think, wow, that's exactly the time I'm free. And so God can do that. So some of you, you're going to have to keep your ear to the ground and your ear on the Lord because he's going to take you to some strange places and you will go and deposit a word and come back again. God, years ago, when I started, I started off in the Methodist church. I love the Methodist church in Ireland. And I was training for the Methodist ministry. And one of the summer holidays, though we had about eight weeks break during the summertime, I did two missions. One was in a youth camp in Norwich, again, in the, in the UK. And the other was in an island off France in the Channel Islands called Guernsey. 
And those two things I went to in the summertime, and both of them were incredible. And I came away, and it was almost like I had hit the mark. Do you know what I mean? When Sometimes you go into a meeting and you think, oh, that was a, a good meeting or that was a, a naff meeting. I don't do that now, thank, thank the Lord, because it doesn't really happen. But I, I went into those two places and it seemed like it hit the mark. And then I came away, away again. And I said to the Lord after that, I hope not foolishly, but I did say to the Lord, Lord, if that's all I ever did in life, I would love to do that. And it's almost like God brought it back 30, 35 years later and said, you did pray that prayer, you know, and now that's what I want you to do. So God is going to take some of you, and he's going to give you a mission, a defined mission. It'll, some of it will be in this nation. Some of it will be, certainly a lot of it will be in other nations. And God will, 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 will get you all fired up and send you to a place to deposit a word, and then you'll come back again. So get ready for that. So here he is, Elisha. What, what does he do in the midst of this confusion? The child, his ministry is lying dead on his bed. And so what, what he does is he, he goes up into the room and he shuts the door. And he prays, just the two of them. And I want to encourage you, you get alone with God and shut the door. Or go walk, metaphorically shut the door. I find it easier, easier to find God when I'm out walking. But I went walking in Eisenhower Park yesterday and it was 104 degrees or something when I got up there. Probably walking is not the best idea. Just shut the door. Come to England or Ireland and you'll be able to walk in the rain anytime you like. It's wonderful. But he, he, uh, he shut the door and prayed to the Lord. And look what he did in verse 34. He, he stretched himself out on the boy, stretched himself hand to hand, mouth to mouth. Uh, he just stretched himself out over the boy. And so he lay on his ministry there. And while he did that, look in verse 34, it says, the flesh of the child became warm. Now let me ask you this question. How many people knew that the flesh of the child became warm? just one. Nobody could see the warmth. There was enough in that encounter to tell him that resurrection's on the way. There was enough in that one stretching himself out on the boy to let him know. He could feel the warmth. He didn't come out and talk to anybody. He didn't come away. He didn't have a conference. He didn't ask advice. There was just, there was enough in that encounter with his ministry that God showed him, you're not done yet. There was enough to tell him that there is still life in those bones and that he still has a ministry to walk and to flourish and to, to, to do for the Lord. So you are the only one who can answer that question. Am I finished? Well, if you say you're done, you're done. But you're the only one who can answer that question. You can go for counseling and you can even go for prayer. And that's a good thing. But at the end, you'll get up and you will answer that question. Is my ministry finished? Has God done with me now? Or is there still something that he wants me to do? And I can tell you this, for many of you in this place, that's why God's brought you here, is he's bringing some warmth back into your ministry once again. And you'll feel it when you sat. Many of you felt it as we were worshiping this morning. Sometimes somebody comes and takes the mic and shares a word. 
something hits you. And you ever, has that ever happened to you? You go, oh, I like that. I don't know what that was, but something good was happening there. And what God is doing is he's, he's getting ready to birth something new out of you. But in doing that, he needs the time before the waters will break, to use an expression we use. Not, there you go. And he'll do. The flesh became warm. Verse 35, he returned and walked back and forth in his house. A few years ago, I went through a time when I was rejected from a ministry, and it's what brought me to America. And I thank God today, looking back, that uh, God opened up a lot of friends here. Some of my best friends in the world, well, of course, <laughs> in the world are in America. <laughs> I have to tell Cynthia that one. And I love this nation. It's the craziest nation. It makes me excited and angry all at the one time. I, I look at what goes on over here, and I said, you did what? They did what? And uh, I, I've got, I'm not going to say any more because you then know what persuasion I was, but I'm not going to say anything more. I've had an, we've had enough of that, all right? And there's no politics in this place. He walked back and forth in the house. And again went up and stretched himself out on him. God spoke to me a few years about this and said, you're walking back and forth. And when you're walking back and forth, I-Y-K-Y-K, -Y -K, you don't know anything. He's just walking back and forth, walking back and forth. And God doesn't tell us how big the room is. And it doesn't tell us how wide it was. And it doesn't tell us how many steps he took. All it says is he walked back and forth. And some of you are walking back and forth at this moment in time. You're in a, a, a position, in a place of waiting, in a place of maybe transitioning, but you've already felt the warmth. You've already felt something touch your ministry, something touch your body, something touch your mind that draws you along week after week to come here because God has done something in your life here where he's told you you're not done yet. Some of you have had people told you, people, some, some of you have been rejected by people. People have told you you're finished, you're done. Maybe some of you, listen, let me just share this. Some of you have come through, gone through divorce in your life. And that's the big no-no in many, in, listen, let me tell you something. God writes, draws, he draws a line under something. God spoke to me in my, for my conference last year. And I, I, I'm a president of a ministry called International Gospel Outreach. It's a, a fellowship of, of pastors and leaders and evangelists in different parts of the world. And we have a conference September, October every year. Doug and Angie come to it. And, and it's a wonderful time. But God gave me a word for it last year. He said, I, it was the word restore. And I intentionally invited some people to come to that who were divorced. Because it was years and years ago. And they've, they've paid the price. They have paid the price. What else do I want them to do? They messed up. They messed up good. But they paid a price. And God said, I want you to restore them. In Jesus' name. And so God restored and did a wonderful work. Some of you are thinking about that. But bear with me, please. He walked back and forth, back and forth. And again, he stretched himself out. And then the child sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Now, if this hadn't happened, I said to you at the beginning that the lady who stood at the doorway, she wasn't coming in. She's had it all. She's had it all with Christianity. She's done, really. She knows the truth, but she doesn't want to walk into the... She, if she walks in, she's, 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 she's done. She's got. They've, they've got her. 
So she stays at the, at the entrance and the doorway because she wants to be able to run if she can. She's hurt. She's been hurt badly. She, her prayer, one prayer, she only had one prayer like Elijah did. My ministry's gone. Her prayer was very simple like every other woman who, who got married at the same time as her. She only wanted one thing. As in those days, it was very simplistic society. I want to have a child. That was her heart. And as she then, you know, her friends all got pregnant and they got pregnant and at first she's invited to the, the parties but after a while those invitations start to d decrease and stop because, you know, she's not going to get invited to the five-year-old parties anymore. She's got no children. And so she came to the stage where she gave up. She didn't pray anymore. That's why she said to Elisha, don't mess with me, Elisha. You've got no idea what you're saying. I've paid this price. I know what I know. And what I know is that, that that part of my life has finished. It'll never come. But Elisha broke in and said, no, I'm gonna do, God's going to do something new in your life. And I'm taking you in a new direction. And God did take her in a new direction. And when Elisha spent that time on his own with the child, and the child sneezed and got up again, she came into the room. Now she saw that God had not given up on her. And you've come to this place, and I want to tell you this. God has not given up on you. You might have thought you've given up on him. Others might have given up on you. But what God is doing here, it's like a, a cauldron. If that's not a, a sort of a witchy name, <laughs> cauldron, you're not thinking of a, a spells. No, I'm not thinking, of, I'm thinking of, of a big stewing pot. That's probably better. No, that's not very good. I go to India. I go to a place in India where they used to boil missionaries. That's not really a good idea either. I'm, I'm thinking of a big, big pot. A what? A cistern. Okay. A water pot. That's oh, another one of your words, isn't it? One of these wordy water things. Okay, a big, I'll call it a pot because I can handle that. I'm an Irishman. Keep it simple. A pot. And this is, is, it's like a pot where God turns up the heat and he puts you in this pot. And, and I suppose at some stage, like fireworks, you put fireworks in a pot, eventually they're, gonna, they're going to ignite and they're going to take off. And it'll seem very random in the places that they're sent to. But I really believe God is going to send you to some amazing places. So my word for you this morning is this. I really believe many of you are like Elisha. Maybe like the woman as well. But Elisha is what I felt God wanted to highlight. In that your ministry has been put on pause. And that pause has caused you problems. Because you don't think there ought to be a pause. Facebook and Instagram and TikTok or whatever else don't allow us to have pauses. Got to update, got to update, got to update. But God doesn't work through Facebook and Instagram and whatever. God will reveal to you himself. And so you're not finished. You may be on pause, but it's because God is getting ready to reignite something in your life where you will be sent out again to the places that he's sending you, which will, I believe, be for some of you very specific. God will provide. God will look after you. He will care for you. But you'll come back with a testimony. And I imagine here that there's going to be thousands of testimonies of what God does with this apostolic center in bringing people from everywhere, not having advertised to bring them in. I've only come because I heard that God was in this place. I've heard that the Holy Spirit is free to move in this place. But they'll come here. Presbyterians. They'll come here. 
Why? Because they want God to reignite their ministry again. Father, I thank you for your presence this morning in this place. I thank you for the wonderful time of worship, time of prayer we had first, and the wonderful time of of worship that we have. And I thank you, Lord, for every single person who's here, or within the sound of my voice, those who listen maybe online later. I pray for each one who is hearing this word today. Lord, I pray that they will hear that they are not finished. God did not put a full stop after your life, and he did not put a full stop after your ministry. Oh yes, the pause button might be on, but the pause button is only there for a certain period of time. That pause button, I'm going to push it again very soon, and I'll be hitting the play button once again. But in that time of pause, I am preparing you. I'm calling you with this group of people, but I'm calling you in close where I will minister to you one-to-one, individual to individual. As you draw aside and shut the door and spend time with me, says the Lord, I will spend time with you and I will download to you things that you will not see on the news, things that you will not read on the papers, but things that will come from my throne room things that I see, places that I want you to go to be my voice, to be my voice, to be my voice, says the Lord. You will be my voice to a people who cannot hear from anybody else, but you will go. I will send you. I will protect you. I will lead you. I will guide you. I will provide for you, and I will send you to a place where no one else will go, but you will go with my word. My angels will go before you. They will be around you. They'll be behind you. They will keep you safe in every step that you take. And I will open the way, says the Lord, for you to deliver my word to that person, to that group of people, to that church, to those people who do not know me yet. And they will be ready for you because I will have given them the dreams. I will already have spoken to them. They're waiting for you. They already know that something's going to happen. They don't know it's you shaped, but I'm sending you to bring my word to a people who need to hear my word. So get ready this morning as you lay yourself before me, as you walk back and forth. Don't walk any longer with confusion. Trust me, says the Lord. Trust me, says the Lord. Trust me and allow me to open the doors for you. I am the one who will provide. I am the one who will speak. I am the supplier of every need. So I will watch you, I'll watch your family, I'll watch your friends, and I will take you and I will use you in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to hand back to Pastor right now. And if anybody does want prayer, of course, we'll do how he wants to finish, that's fine, but I'm here. Real quick, I'd just like to pray for Kingsley and his ministry. There's a QR code up in here that uh, y'all can learn more about his ministry. But he is a man called by God that is revealing things, that is restoring lives, that is restoring ministries. And he's got an amazing calling. I love you, brother, and I just met you. Yes, that's so good. So right now I'd like to pray for Kingsley this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for this precious gift, Father. 
a man that's after you, that's after all that you are, Father, that he is seeking more and more every day of you, Father, and is not shying away. He's called to minister to the world, Father. There's no boundaries. You've given him vision, limitless vision, Father, and you call him to different countries and you make a way. Father, continue just to pave that path. Continue just to lead him by your spirit, Lord, that he knows which way to go, Father. There's never confusion. There's only direction, Father, your direction, Father, that he knows and he seeks. And there's so much peace in that, Father. There's so much power in that, Lord Jesus. Father, watch over him. Keep him healthy and whole, Father, that I pray your precious blood over him right now, Father. That every stripe that you bore, Father, is for him. That he will continue to walk boldly, healthy, proclaiming your word, bringing life to ministries, Father. Bringing new life, new direction to so many. Father, we thank you for this precious gift of Kingsley and his wife, Father. Continue to watch over them, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes. The word that he brought today probably touches many hearts here. If you've uh, been in ministry and you just need a touch, you just need some reassurance, we want to pray for you this morning. If I could have the leaders come up so that we can pray. Anyone that is feel, feels called, even if you're not formally called to be a minister or haven't been formally a minister, but feel a calling. We want to pray for you. There's restoration, there's healing, there's, there's new life that's birthed here today. We thank you, Kingsley, for that message.